meditation, meditation, meditation. Depending on the quality of my mind, you know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, I feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice. You can't think of anything. This is meditation in the city. The Shambhala New York podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is The Warrior's Armor. In every moment, there is a choice. Do we put up a barrier shielding ourselves from pain and embarrassment? Or do we open up fully to our world? In this episode, Acharya Eric Spiegel describes how the confidence of meditation helps us live our lives fearlessly. This episode is a re-release of a talk from 2013. Acharya Spiegel has been a student and teacher in the Shambhala tradition since his teens. He was the resident Acharya for the New York Shambhala Sangha for many years. His teachings are filled with warmth, humor, and precision. Here is Acharya Eric Spiegel to take away the discussion. The topic tonight is called The Warrior's Armor. Um, so the term warrior is key. Warrior really is, um, it sort of flips your mind a little bit because uh, we think of warriors as fighters, as like embodiments of aggression, and we think of armor as protection. But the Shambhala teachings are called a warrior path or, or warrior teachings. And um, the meaning of warrior in this case is someone who um, embodies tremendous dignity and power, and I would also say non-aggression. So the power and non-aggression is the key to this mix. And how does this where is this or what does what does it come from and how do we find it or how do we uncover it or discover it is the key to really everything that is taught here so ordinarily when we think of armor we think of uh, solid walls of protection plate banded metal or mail really per, on a personal basis we could just think about how we how we individually push ourselves into the world with a sense of uh, f- how do we frame ourselves in society how do we frame ourselves in our job in our life as we walk down the street what do we project uh, so that people will either not notice us or take us seriously or get out of our way or be attracted to us. So we could have all sorts of agendas that our our armor is um, projecting. What's behind that is this sense of um, fear of not being clear about who we really are what our place actually is in the world if we don't create a 
<coughs> the term we use these days is platform, you know, that you have like your, how you manage your media profile. <laughs> and, you, and really, and, and it, I was listening to um, NPR this morning and there was actually a piece, Terry Roach, who's a long-term, long-time member of the Shambhala Center here, uh, was doing a interview of, and she's a musician and she and her sisters for probably 30 years had a girl group called the Roaches and she said that a year ago she uh, or two a year and a half ago they stopped performing together and she now has another group that had a really bizarre name which I can't remember and they did crowdsource funding for it so they actually like through Facebook and through various other I think there's a website called Pinterest, and so I'm not sure if I have it all right, but so there's a sense of, like really anyone I think nowadays who's uh, a writer or an artist or trying to f make their way in kind of the new economy is very familiar with this idea of how do we project ourselves out there. But really people have been doing it since the beginning of time animals do it, you know, peacocks wear their brightest feathers in order to attract uh, the best dames. So that's not really ge the genuine situation. It's not just really being at ease with who and where one is and at ease seems to be really key to warriorship, that there's a sense of relaxation, which isn't the same as flop, it isn't the same as zoning out, is a sense of comfort and confidence. So the key to the warrior's armor here is almost the opposite of everything I've just described as opposed to a shell on the outside and a stance of aggression. When we talk about what is the warrior's armor in the Shambhala teachings, we're talking about uh, confidence in... Confident, well, I guess there's probably stages of recognizing your own... First, just even recognizing and being willing to explore the idea that there's actually a nature that we have, okay? We say in, in Shambhala teachings that the nature is called basic goodness, that the nature is uh, like a tender heart. So heart is an analogy. It's not literally your physical heart, but it's a really good analogy uh, for what basic goodness is because the the basic thing is the quality of basic is a sense of always there, like oh, like like the range of mountains in the background or the sea, the ocean that surrounds the continent. That there's something that's always there that doesn't change. That all you could put all kinds of different things on the continent. You know, you could build tall buildings, or you could create parks, or you could have highways, but the basic 
ter- the basic ground is is there regardless of what you do to it, what kind of makeup you put on, and what kind of display you engage in. And then uh, the goodness is the tenderness, is the sense of uh, possibility that anything could occur, that like a petri dish, that anything could grow in this. Like we could grow all our aggression, right? We could grow all of our passion. We could just kind of like stoke it and stoke it and stoke it and spend all our time cruising for love or lust or whatever. Or we could become creative or uh, intelligent or we could become humble and meek, take care of a family, take care of ourselves, live very simply. So all these different things are possible within this field of goodness, this field of basic possibility, potential. And so the basic is the sense of permanence or or uh, unchangingness, and then the possibility is the sense that, oh, all sorts of things could arise from that unchanging nature. So the first thing, really, in the Shambhala teachings is starting to hear this. You know, hearing is like really the first step, and then looking, exploring, chewing it over. So that's the first step, and then the second step is beginning to practice and actually create a little bit of uh, room. So practice by for new people. Practice is the word for meditation. It just means going to sit, going to do less for a bit and see what's there. So just as at the beginning when we did the bow, there's a phase of like just the middle part of the bow, which is called feeling, is... Uh, that you just see what's there. No judgment. No manipulation. You just see, like maybe you hadn't noticed like that there's anxiety or that you're exhausted or that you're excited because you're, we're all so busy all the time. So then there's this moment where we can just see, be present with it, with whatever it is. So in meditation, you're not actually chasing thoughts away, which is a common idea about meditation, but you're not particularly pursuing them either. So there's a sense of genuine interest in what it, what's here, what's going on, who am I today, what's, what are the different currents. We talked about Qigong. Qigong's a lot about like discovering how to work with the currents in the currents of your body and mind and meditation is very similar the currents are emotional the currents are physical the currents are energetic and so just being willing to be with ourselves and through that a process of uh, discovery occurs so the first stage is hearing about it and starting to look at it. The second stage is actually being able to practice with it. And within this, particularly, this that second phase is really the whole thing. That's what we do forever. 
And so within this, there are certain qualities that arise or that we work with, um, which are the quality of our gender, our genderness. How about our tenderness? Our tenderness. Or it could be your genderness, but not tonight. Um, that's a different talk. Um, and I said that warriorship, this idea of warriorship, has these two qualities of receptivity or being willing to just be and see what is and what actually arises naturally. And then the other is a sense of power or strength. Sometimes we use the word fearlessness. And these are sometimes called, in these teachings, they're called the mother and father lineage. They're like the kind of the two things that always are balanced, in some kind of balance, the balance shifts for each of us of who's more, some of us are much more um, strength-oriented and some of us are much more uh, receptivity-oriented, but there's always a combination. And what binds these two is a third element, which is the word we use in English is intelligence, but the it's not really the right word. It's a, translated from Sanskrit, and the Sanskrit is prajna, and prajna really means we. It, it has to do with the intelligent quality. So it's not exactly intelligence, like what do you know, all the things you know, but it's the intelligent quality of uh, how does one. Um, look at one how does one explore oneself how does one actually see what's going on inside when suddenly you've, you think you're going in a particular direction and then you feel flutter of disease of not quite being so sure now and so that we actually could look and we could explore and we could see a layer after layer of what it means to be genuine, right? So at first we start with kind of the core, where we are today, and we start to think, oh, how do I become a genuine person? And we make certain actions. And then maybe six months or a year down the road, we look at that and we think, oh, that was very childish uh, approach to be being genuine. Maybe a year later, we look again, and we see that there's actually like constant layers of the old kind, the old-fashioned kind of protection that we that need to be continually revealed, and it's this prajna that does that allows us to do this, that continues to let us see what's. To, to sort of mine the field of basic goodness, the mine, mine the field of this ever-present potentiality. Okay. The reason I think that heart is such a good image is that it has all those qualities. It has, like, first of all, it's always there. Like, as long as you're sitting up, the heart is beating, right? <laughs> and it has enormous power, right? It generates all the heat of your life. Like, if you feel your temp that you have a temperature, that's your heart doing that. <laughs> Boom. 
and it just keeps its rhythmic motion over and over for decades without taking a break for most of us, hopefully. <clears throat> and at the same time, if you were to like hold it, like, like open up what all of this surrounding muscle and tissue and ribcage and look at it and touch it, it's just pure raw, 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 open, exposed, totally. And we feel that because we all feel that when we are exposed, when you're embarrassed, when you, someone who you were planning to break up with breaks up with you first or or you someone you turn in a report and you know and you've worked really hard on it and your boss the first thing they do is find a typo they don't even look at all the work you they just find what was wrong you know i had a boss who that was his speciality for many years many years uh, <laughs> like <laughs> struggle 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 and then like find there's like something that's what one word out of place or something so that sense of exposure is also really related to the heart as well. So the last thing I wanted to just say in terms of all of this, this journey, which I've just, that's all I'm really doing is describing like a, a journey of a lifetime um, of discovery. When we actually get to this quality of warriorship and we've kind of dissolved or cut through or seen through and transcended all the layers and layers and layers and layers of false armor, the genuine armor that actually is what protects us as what protects us as human beings, is what makes us so incredibly unique among beings in this world, is that when we actually not just hear about it, think about it, maybe it's true, maybe this basic goodness stuff, I don't know, you know, it, I really want to live by this basic goodness stuff, I'm really going to try and do that, and da, da, da. but at the same time we have constant doubt and constant uncertainties, you know, because our mind is always going in a million different directions, and we're always trying to find some warmth and happiness in the present moment, or soon, at least, in one of the next few present moments. And um, if we could actually have confidence, when, something, when we actually develop true confidence that in, our na in this quality of our nature being basically good, like that's such an incredible statement like that. It, it, it's completely imbued with friendliness to oneself that you actually could be you could see yourself and truly trust yourself as basically good that confidence is the warrior's armor that is what makes you Im, impermeable to the confusion that surrounds us because your wisdom is actually known to you. So, a lot of times when we talk about a spiritual journey, we think that we're starting here in the confused or sinful self world, 
and we're going there, usually it's up there as opposed to just over there, going there to some completely unique place that has only ever been experienced by most of us under large amounts of illegal drugs. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I wouldn't know anything about. Uh, so, this journey is stationary. It's a journey of un- uncovering, un- of awakening, we say, or we could say. So I just, those, that's what I wanted to, I got excited about the title of the talk that I came up with, and I thought I kind of in, contained everything. So if you have any questions or anything you'd like to talk about that has nothing to do with what I just said, uh, we have a few minutes and we could do that. And there's quite a few people here who I'm really happy to see who I don't see very often, so I just wanted to say hi to you. And you can all assume that's you. <laughs> just wondering if in, in uh, the idea of warriorship, there's also idea of like courage facing yeah. anything. Well, like that's that? the power. That's courage or fearlessness. That's like, these are different words we use for the power aspect, the strength aspect. So courage means, so did you want to say more before I run off with this? Or? No, I mean, yeah, that, I guess, yeah, I guess you did say So courage is really that as you develop a confidence that you're, you realize that all the embarrassment that we protect against so much, all the nakedness that we feel, that that's okay. That actually just because we think we feel naked or exposed in the world, we'll still be standing after that blows over. So you could actually learn to hold your mind. And that's a lot of what meditation practice trains us is, you know, you're sitting, you say, I'm going to sit for 20 or 30 minutes and, or 10 or whatever, you know, and you, you're sitting and then you have these powerful feelings Um, you remember the good or the bad parts of old love relationships or you remember something you may not have done you're not even sure but you suddenly realize you don't have something ready for something you remember how irritating someone is or how angry you are or how in love you are and you go on these powerful, it's like Hurricane Bertha sweeps through, your a cyclone sweeps through your body and mind, and yet you just sit there, right? And then at some point, you realize that, oh, thinking. I was thinking, and actually I'm here, so I'll place my mind on the breath for a moment. So that's the training for this, what we would call courage or fearlessness, of that we actually can enter situations and we and not 
be swept away by the tornado, most of which is our mind, our projection about what will happen to us. Even if someone says something really horrible, well, what is really going to happen unless they pull out a gun, in which case you shouldn't be there. Um, you talked about uh, the confidence of the uh, warrior, knowing the, uh, our nature is good. Um, but, um, so we talked about all of us. And we have good and bad in our basic nature, no? I mean... Yeah. So what does it mean? No, so this good is not that good. It's not the good that's good or bad. This good is the potential. That out of that potential, you can completely screw it up. So out of that potential, you, potential, because that potential, potential like your heart, feels basically the potential part of the good, basic goodness is, or the goodness part is, the tenderness, which is which is like what anything, any possibility could arise. We could. Anything could arise. It's not one thing in itself. Anything could arise from that. A lot of our bad action, what we would call our bad negative activity of conning people, lying, of being lying because we're embarrassed about to say, oh yeah, I really did that. <laughs> or... <laughs> Yeah, that was me, or... That comes out of that basic goodness. So, the basic goodness comes before the good or the bad. It's, we say it's unconditionally good, and I just think that means that it's just unconditional, and the goodness is just like a frame of reference. So we draw confidence from that, the fact that we have basic potential, that's what's giving us uh, the, confidence? Well, the drawing, I wouldn't say you draw confidence from it. I would say that as you practice and actually discover it, so first I'm telling you about it and you're hearing about it, and maybe you believe or don't believe or are, or are intrigued. And then the second part is you start practicing. And through that, practicing, taking, studying, do, inqui looking, use, developing your prajna, your in, this intelligent nature that actually looks at what, who, at who, what is here, what is here. So, out of that confidence arises that you actually become confident in your basic goodness. I saw the movie The Master last night. I hope I'm not like that. <laughs> I haven't seen it. <laughs> it made any Dharma teacher, any spiritual teacher, like, basically think, oh, I hope I'm not like that. I, I hope no one ever thinks I'm like that. <laughs> So, but when I'm, it just came to mind because I'm like telling you what you might experience and that's sort of what 
this Philip Seymour Hoffman does over and over again. He kind of directs people's experience in, in a very uh, believable but probably completely artificial way. So, um, do you understand what what was the way you phrased it? Um, I was just repeating what you said yeah, towards the end, that we draw confidence. Draw confidence. And I, yeah, business. I would say more develop, con that confidence arises or confidence develops through this e exploration, through this practice and path. That the confidence actually comes from seeing it and testing it and um, experiencing it. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Eric. Um, I'm glad you spoke about basic goodness. Um, I find that through the practice is when I really feel my basic goodness, and if I'm not practicing or sitting, you know, I'm not in touch with that. Um, and you said a lot tonight, but my question is, what is the armor, uh, is the warrior's armor? Is it acquiring the armor or shedding the armor? First one. Per so the whole journey is going from this kind of a made-up armor of our artifice, of our pride, the way we display, protect ourselves and display ourselves, pride, arrogance, jealousy, hiding, fantasy, all of, those, all of that armor that we have built up that is really this hard shell around us, really. Um, and as that wears through and the confidence in what's, what's actually truly there develops, then that confidence becomes our armor. So that's the warrior's armor as opposed to this, which is, you could say, our uh, coward, uh, coward's armor. That's kind of the opposite we're reading um, this phrase to turn arrows into flowers that when tough times come we breathe through and use those moments as teachers and I'm experiencing um, a couple of sharp arrows of abandonment and betrayal and this idea of armor um, I'm in flux with taking it in and softening. Am I becoming a better person by loosening around this? And the other side is to hold back and defend and protect from these things. So I don't know that I'm asking for an answer, but if you could speak to the sort of how the armor changes throughout a day or depending on the intensity of the... Um, of what presents. Yeah, I think when we're going through intense flux, um, the, the, the real discovery happens afterwards when things start to settle down and we can actually reassess. So, um, a couple of reference points 
um, do you know Pema Chodron, her writing? So she, her story is that, you know, she, how she went from becoming some mother and school teacher or something in New Mexico to becoming Pema Chodron, who's like, you know, number two or three after Dalai Lama and Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, and kind of this amazing, everyone, everywhere you go in the world, people have identify with this woman and um, and um, the path to that or the catalyst for that is that one day she, she her husband came home and out of the blue told her that he'd fallen in love with someone else and was leaving her and just like her whole made up world just that she thought she had completely together just totally disintegrated like that and so um, there's this sense of um, dissolve, like what we thought we could rely on when we discover we can't in different ways. It's not always that dramatic, but um, many relationships end. So that's obviously a very powerful teacher that is available to most of us at some point in our life. Um, many jobs end one way or another. Um, um, and our lives will also end. So that's another very powerful teacher that we could see our own youth <laughs> slip in. Um, So I think in that moment of complete groundlessness, the best you can really do very often is try not to act badly, not to create more negativity for yourself or others. And then when the emotional roller coaster starts to ease, then you can actually look and take stock which is meditation. <laughs> but to try to um, do too much work while you're in the middle of a maelstrom, an emotional maelstrom especially, is like going to, uh, for most of us, going to be, uh, we won't know how to make the right choices. So just to keep it as try to simplify your your life and feel I feel also feel your aloneness like not just uh, crank it up into loneliness and depression but just feel your aloneness which is that real uh, tender possibility that we have that we have feeling that's like incredible that is Magical. It doesn't always feel good. Okay. Thank you. Andre. My question regards what you said sort of near the beginning of your talk regarding how each person has a um, like a, a predilection or a um, an individuality regarding the balance between like the mother and father or like one way yeah. or, the, or, or the other of strength versus tenderness or 
um, however you want to frame yes. that. Um, is that something that needs to be, that ought to be? Is there like a normative statement about these things should be in balance, or are we like beautiful, unique snowflakes, and however we're endowed um, <laughs> with either tenderness or strength? I think um, um, you work as you, as you, as you're moving along, looking at things. You see things that could be cultivated, and I don't think any there's a fifty-fifty thing. I don't think that exists, except in a Buddha. You know, you would say the Buddha is like got that balance, and. Uh, so, uh, but most of us who are in the human realm, we kind of are, we have a lot of personal karma that we come with. So we have different energies from our family, from our nationality, from our religion, from our experiences, from our interests. So usually there's uh, a lot going on. So what do we do with that? It's all... Uh, uh, part of this package of uh, basically good. We, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we do. Uh, we try not to cause harm. Uh, and if we can start, not completely, but at least start to get that right, then we try to be of benefit in the world, whatever that means, in whatever circle you move in, you know, as an artist or a dancer or a mathematician or a <clears throat> cook, <laughs> whatever it means to be of benefit as just someone who maybe you buy groceries at the <clears throat> grocery store and you actually connect with the person who's standing there hour after hour bringing people up. Um, so benefit could be many things. So, And I think this, uh, the quality of friendly to oneself uh, is mixed in with that. that so. Thank you. So I think we could close. I really encourage people to take some time and do something meaningful, by which I mean take a class or a weekend or engage. Uh, so please sit up and we'll conclude with a bow. Thank you all. I really appreciate seeing you all tonight.